Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Annie. And And this this is Charitable Theology. So, Miss Annie, how's your life going? How's work? Work's good. Mm. Yeah, work's good. Good. Sorry, I usually have something. I've honestly been feeling like a little bit convicted because I feel like things have been really gossipy at my work lately. And gossip is gossip no matter what. Like, I shouldn't, like, I should feel just as guilty when I'm just gossiping with one friend. But then it's like, I feel so much worse gossiping with, like, a bunch of people. And I don't know. It's like, it doesn't seem super bad. But then I, like, go home and I think about it and I'm like, oh, that was, like, really awful. Like, how would I feel if somebody was, like, Mm-hmm. you know complaining about me and i don't know so just feeling a lot of conviction lately so it's hard that's just hard like even in you know obviously I stay at home and my kids aren't big gossips yet but like in my friendships like that is a constant struggle that's the way my heart bends anyways like my heart loves to be in the know and so i am always having to watch that and i have a couple friendships where i'm like Oh goodness, like I need like the boldness to be like, Hey, I don't think that this is appropriate to be having this conversation right now. And there I have some friendships where I'm very comfortable doing that in. I have some friendships where I'm really comfortable being like, I think this is gossip, I think we should stop. And then there are like two friendships that I have right now where I'm just like, I need to find my way out of this without hurting this very sensitive person's feelings. <laughs> and that is difficult but i probably should care more about what god thinks than about what the other person thinks huh the same it's exactly how i feel like with my job and stuff and i just like need to just not say anything but mm. you know i think we gossip because it you know feels good i mean why else would we do it I mean, i've been pretty good i've been pretty good lately about not like not adding to it but like i don't know how to be like i don't even want to hear it i know exactly what you're saying that's that's the hard part Wow, banter. Banter got real. Seriously real. I appreciate that. I appreciate your transparency with what's going on with work. Thank you. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. It's me being convicted. But yeah, I just thought I would share. So, Yeah, Yeah, man. So today we are talking about a couple different things. We're talking about phone culture. And then we're going to talk about kind of how we view past regrets or if we have past regrets um, and how we view those through a gospel lens so man how are you feeling about phone culture these days uh it's definitely something that i struggle with a lot and when i i guess that it's like twofold like i struggle i don't know if twofold is the right terminology but like i struggle with it myself i have a tendency to be like on instagram a lot you know always posting for my happy happy threads or on my personal account or now our charitable theology uh, so I find myself constantly, you know, even at work on my phone doing that or even just in group settings, you know, mm. I'm hanging out with my family, like my extended family that lives in Arizona, like just over there relaxing on my phone. And do I think there's anything like wrong with that if everyone's just kind of relaxing and we're all on our phones? Not necessarily, but I do wish that. I wish that it wasn't such a clutch, Mm. Uh, just really just feeling like everyone's just constantly on their phones. And I, I saw like this meme once or something and it was kind of like, instead of like 
phones, like people had books. And I was like, I just thought that was interesting because like I'm a huge reader. How would people feel if I was just like reading a book and like, I feel like I would get so much crap for that. But then it's like this whole phone being on our phones constantly, like people recognize that it's an issue, mm. but it just made me think like, wow, I feel like if I was just at a party, just reading a book, not paying attention to anyone, I really think that that would like maybe stir something up and people would be like, yeah. oh, she's being antisocial. She's being rude. Um, so I just, when I saw that, I thought that was interesting and it really made me think like, what would people do, you know, if I was at a big social gathering and, you know, set of paying attention to people. I was just chilling, reading my book. Yeah. And that, that is the thing though. It's essentially the same thing. Like, but maybe even worse. Cause what you're saying is instead of, Oh, I'm going to read this interesting thing. This other person who's not even in front of me, who's not even, who is either on my social media or in my text thread is m more of a priority to me than like the person whose house I'm at right now, or the, the person that, I'm, you know, at a restaurant with right now or whatever. Like you're what you're saying. I mean, and I'm guilty of checking the occasional texts when I'm hanging out with people. But I mean, like straight up sitting there scrolling through your phone um, in the middle of like hanging out with somebody is literally being like, yeah, this is more of a priority to me than you being in front of my face, being available to me here. And it has infiltrated it is everywhere right now it is i mean it's in my family it's in my peer group it's in it's everywhere and it is well difficult for me because i find it incredibly frustrating <laughs> but it's also sad like it's just sad because it's like there was a point in time when people could just sit and have a conversation or just sit and be and I think the thing for me is I am a little socially awkward. I have some anxiety in social situations, especially social situations where I don't have like a person, right? Like if I have a person, I'm golden. But if I don't like know anyone or if that person is like off talking to somebody else and I'm feeling very like a little too, you know, seen or a little too like whatever loser lonely girl. I guess is what the true insecurity is, right? It's like, oh, look at that loser lonely girl over there, which nobody is thinking. My, I think that is where my greatest, like, gra like where the phone gravitational pull comes in, where I'm like, okay, just check out of this moment instead of just sitting like, okay, it's okay to be a little bit awkward. It's like, just check out of this moment, just check out of this moment. And that's not inherently sinful or you know, bad, but it can get really unhealthy to just constantly be using this crutch to check out of the moment over and over again, you know? Yeah, I know. And the sad thing is, is that I can completely relate to that because I feel like I get really bad social anxiety and I, but like, I find myself like saying that it's okay. Like mm -hmm. I tend to like put the blame on other people and say, well, I'm the new person at this gathering. They should be talking to me. They should be going out of their way to welcome me. Mm. Nobody wants to do that. Like, fine, I'm checking out, you know? Yeah, and, and then you're like, the unapproachable girl exactly, that they can't talk to. Exactly. It's like, no, like, I can go up and be like, hey, what's up? Mm. You know, but I just choose not to. It's hard. Though. I mean, that those things are hard, and I think that they're getting kind of increasingly harder and harder with social media and kind of a decreased interaction. I mean, even if you think about it, we don't even have very much interaction with strangers at all anymore. Like when people maybe used to would have 
talk to people at the grocery store. Now we're just like, cool, self-checkout or even better, Instacart or, you know, whatever, yeah. talking to people at the gas station. It's like gas station is self-serve, you know, and um, I think that kind of we've removed for convenience sake, which, by the way, I, my kids, every time we go ask to do self-checkout, every time. And it, and I prefer to do Instacart. I want to just pick up my groceries and go. So, so like, I'm not poo-pooing it. It is absolutely great, convenient, like, um, means of convenience. But we are kind of, um, using technology to kind of slowly decrease all of these opportunities we once had to talk to our neighbor, right? <laughs> so, I think that social media does make it a little bit harder or social media, not just social media, right? But technology, phone culture makes it a little bit harder because we are out of practice just in, in general and in normal life. We're kind of out of practice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I just, I think that that is why phone culture is such a struggle and, and God did not create this life for convenience I don't mm. believe he did and so I think that phone culture really gets in the way of that you know mm. having intentional community like it's created this space for us to have to not try as hard or not be as intentional or authentic and well and we can convince ourselves that those are relationships that the person that you haven't really seen or talked yeah. to since high school is a relationship that you're in because you're friends on Facebook or whatever. Um, we can convince ourselves, oh look, I have all of these relationships and I don't think that that's what God would call a relationship because it's not meaningful, it's not deep, they don't know you, they know like right your highlight reel, they know what you've chosen to show your curated version of your life. But they don't know, like, you. They don't know your sin struggles. They don't know the things your heart is aching for. They don't know all those things. They know, like, happy version of you or maybe ranting version of you. But they probably don't know, like, the real you. They probably don't have, right, like we talked about that relational capital of being able to say to you, hey, I see this in your life. Maybe this is something that we can work on for you together, right? Or maybe this is something we can pray about together, you know? I think that there's nothing that really replaces those face-to-face -face relationships. So what have you done, like, in your life? What are practices that you've put in place to um, at least make yourself less phone-dependent or more intentional about real relationships? As far as when I'm, on, like, alone in my own home, uh, sometimes I'll either just, like, turn my phone off mm -hmm. or, you know, I'll turn my phone off, I'll put it in my room, I'll go out of the living room, I just will tell myself, like, hey, this is something you're not going to do right now, you know. Man, that's discipline. Cause, oh, boy. thank you. <laughs> it's imp no, that's impressive. It's not me. It's me the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I am in this, whenever I'm in a peak of anxiety, if, like, things are going pretty rough and I'm having a hard time, like, seeing my way out of the anxiety, like, I check out by scrolling, but then, you know, ignore all the other text messages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's that it's hard for me to like check back in when I am it's when I'm alone when I don't have accountability when I don't have like anyone around me is when I am the least likely to be disciplined and be like okay this isn't the time that I need to be on my phone this is the time I need to be intentional about my spiritual disciplines or like intentional about showering or you know, whatever. That sounds bad. Yeah. I, sh I shower. Just so everybody knows I shower. <laughs> it's okay. I wasn't judging you. Um, I don't shower. <laughs> I do. Just kidding. But, but yeah, I don't, like... So what do you... 
because I know you and I have both talked about, you know, you've like shared with me like your struggle to, you know, like reply to texts and stuff. So mm. this is hard. We're not just talking about social media here. We're talking about, for me, even cold culture that includes like, you know, texting and all that stuff and, and phone calls. Yeah. And I just, I never, I never, I'm just never offended, like, if you don't reply right away. Which and I'm it, grateful and, for. Yeah, and, and it, maybe it is just because uh, that's not how I connect with people. Like, mm. I just, I do struggle to be in community, but my preference is to just hang out in person as opposed to, you know, having long conversations over text. So it just, it never really offends me. But, like, what do you think about that? Like, because mm. I don't feel convicted to, you know, reply to people right away necessarily. Mm. But I do because I feel like there's this pressure that that's courtesy to like reply right away. But I don't think that's realistic. I don't think there should be that pressure to respond right away. We're not having a conversation in in person. I really think texting was created for convenience, you know, to text someone in an emergency or, hey, babe, can you pick up a gallon of milk on the way home? And we've created it to be this like, oh, we need to have this long conversation it's so funny because i i i actually do prefer to have either really difficult conversations or um like lengthier conversations but and it is for convenience my kids make it very hard to be on a long phone call and so for the people around me that aren't close to me but i still love and want to be connected with um i mean geographically close to me i like i text because long phone calls that are uninterrupted aren't really a thing um, and it's really annoying <laughs> to be on the phone for two hours and also trying to take care of my very small children who aren't very, um, independent at this stage during that time. And so I do have kind of lengthy text conversations when I am in a healthy place of replying to text messages, but even in my healthiest place. So the thing is, is I have a lot of anxiety around my phone, which is surrounded by some trauma that happened when my mom died. But, um, so, I mean, it is, I mean, a lot of my phone stuff is, is legitimately like just crazy that I need to work through with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but some of it at my healthiest when it's not, um, bound up by anxiety or bound up by, um, isolation or depression at my healthiest, I just don't feel like anyone has the right to get a hold of me 24 seven. My husband has that right. I try not to, I don't feel like anyone has the right to have a hundred percent access to me all of the time. I have three small kids. I have a really full life. I have ministries I'm involved in. And then I have friends that are in my home frequently. I have people in my house two, three, four times a week, maybe more than that, including my husband's friends. And so, and that's not including the Bible studies that I'm a part of and the things that we do outside of our home. And so no one has access to me during Bible study. Nobody has access to me when a friend is over. I will occasionally check my text messages if they're in the bathroom or whatever. But if it requires a reply more than yes, no, okay, uh, I'm not replying in that moment because I'm not going to be on my phone and ignoring the person that's in front of me who I'm trying to love well, who I'm trying to care about, who I'm trying to have with me. I'm not going to give give somebody who I love and absolutely deserves a prompt response that I am not good at. Because one of the problems I have that I'm working on figuring out how to resolve is reading a text message saying, I need to remember to reply to that later and then never remembering to reply. And then I get into kind of this crazy space of 
I didn't reply in a timely manner and has it been too long and now I have to actually apologize for how long it's taken and then I put it off even more and that gets that gets really crazy but I do I, I even even aside from all of the crazy weird stuff surrounding my phone trauma which is dumb to say but um you've never shared any of that with me so oh no me later yeah I um I just don't feel like if that anybody has the right to have a response from me. If it's an emergency, if um, there's something pressing going on, I absolutely have more than once said, hey, 10 seconds, I'm going to reply to this text message is important. But I, and I'm really proud of the culture we create in our home. We have friends that were so, I can think of a couple friends that were so beholden to being on their phone because they were so uncomfortable all the time that, that, um, it took a little while, but when they come to our home, they aren't on their phones, you know? When they come into our home, because they know that the culture of our home is that we're gonna be present, we're gonna be together, we're gonna share a meal together, we're gonna, you know, we don't do this thing where we sit next to each other and just scroll all the time. Um, and we don't shame people for doing it, like I don't, I almost never bring it up. If you're on your phone, an insane amount, I might say, hey, we're having a conversation. Um, but, I, like, I might say something in a, just like a reminding you to be present kind of way. But I am really proud of it. And, like, you know, I, teenagers don't love it, but we have friends with teenagers. And um, more than once, my husband has taken the phones from the teenagers and put them on a shelf that they could not reach so that they had to be kind of present you know where we had a couple teenagers who were texting each other and we were like listen Linda's like you can just be a part of this with us like you're you're currently at in that scenario a party like with your friends and your friends families like let's let's all be just together. talk to each other yeah you don't need to be texting each yeah other. and I know that you're gonna do this as soon as you leave our house but in our house you're gonna be present and um you know they don't love that but they all, all of them present or die right yes um but all of them wind up you know engaging and and so i'm really proud of the culture that we have in our home it does create an issue for me where i forget to reply to people and that's not fair it's not fair to never reply and it's not fair to people to um i it's never intentional i never intentionally ignore people but i do frequently forget to get back to somebody and that's not fair and that's not okay and that is kind of this thing that I'm trying to figure out because I'll be honest, I have three small kids and they take up a lot of my brain power and it makes me, um, you know, a little bit forgetful, <laughs> but, um, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like anybody, I've had some real serious conversations where people have gotten very insecure about me not texting them, feeling like I didn't like them. And I'm like, Hey, you can talk to my best friends. Like, I just, I'm, it, it's known. I'm not great about my phone, but if you are with me, if you are in my house, if you're with me, you have my attention. And so it's kind of a give and a take. And, and I would rather have real relationships in person than miss out on all those relationships because I'm so beholden to my phone. And I get a lot of text messages a day. Like I get, I feel like sometimes people think that like maybe they're the only person texting me and I'm just ignoring them. But, but I get a lot of messages throughout the day from a lot of different people. And you're loved. I'm so popular. That's not how I meant to sound. But no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're loved. Like, um, that makes sense. But 
I, I think that um, sometimes people don't realize, like, hey, this isn't, hey, this is not just you that I'm, like, forgetting to get back to or whatever. But also, like, you're not the only one texting me. And, like, I'm really sorry if you fell through the cracks. Like, I, I really, I genuinely am sorry. I really do owe you an apology because that's disrespectful to you. But I, I literally just physically would be on my phone seven hours a day if I was trying to get back to every single person every single time, you know? But I think I interrupted you. Did you have other things that you do to make sure that your phone isn't getting in the way of your spiritual disciplines or your real relationships, your community? So besides just, like, turning it off or putting it in my room, I just, like everything, I think it's just another thing. Like, I try to, and I don't do this enough, clearly, but just get it to God in prayer and just Mm -hmm. be like, hey, like, I don't want this to be an idol and... Clearly it is, um, you know, and I don't know, probably like a a lot of other people, I struggle to try to use my phone to make myself known, you know, or. uh, Talk about that. So what is that about? Well, I. What ways would you use your phone to try and make yourself known? I think, I feel awkward saying this, but I think like. Just getting that instant gratification. Like, I've always struggled to feel, you know, physically beautiful. Mm. Like, um, <clears throat> and it's funny because I was even thinking about this recently. Just really struggling to feel beautiful, at least, you know, physically attractive and beautiful. At least the way, you know, society, you know, like, what's the ideal, like, Gosh, that's so beautiful physical attraction. Mind blowing to me because like I I I grew up my whole life with body image issues and weight issues and that stuff and like it's so crazy for me to hear pretty people say that they struggle with that too because <laughs> because I spent my whole life I mean from the time I was I mean I have memories of being very little things like, oh I never look like that I don't even have the chance to look like that and it's I mean it's lessened a lot I have a husband who makes me feel very beautiful I have. Um, a different perspective of myself but I mean every, obviously like that creeps back in my head sometimes but it's so crazy to me to hear like you're someone who I would look at and think I'm never going to be as beautiful as she is like I'm never going to have oh my God. that body type I'm never going to have you know I'm not I'm not ever going to look as good in clothes as she does or whatever like and I think it's so um, like man isn't that Satan like to just like the person that I'm like wow you're so, like she's so beautiful for Satan to be like yeah you're like he's in your head being like you're not pretty enough and you're never gonna look like those other girls that are even you know more crazy beauty standards you know no totally and it's just like I know people who are just like like I said like do you know who I'm talking about like the Kendall Jenner yeah just you know what Big society booty. say is <laughs> yeah. beautiful or like blonde and mm. pale skin perfect eyes oh, funny. like you and i went to totally different directions i'm like kardashian big booty little waist nice collagen lips well i would think i would think that too yeah. i mean but I you're just, like surfer babe yeah i guess so i was just thinking yeah see like even we are like thinking differently and comparing differently but it's just i don't know so i think that is I feel like I've gone on a tangent here, but I think that's one of those ways that I struggle to well, and get that little that heart that. notification, yes. right away. Yes. I'm 
like people commenting mm-hmm. you're so beautiful because i want to hear that because i don't think that of myself mm-hmm. like i really struggle to think like or like i'll blame myself like oh like i'm probably still single because i'm not like physically attractive and mm-hmm. i know that that sounds crazy but crazy. i do that's like an area that i really struggle in and so a lot of times you know i will you know whether it's a selfie or just photos that like i'm like in i just that instant gratification is like feels really good to me mm-hmm. and but I I want to not have a habit of doing that because I want to not need that yeah. instant gratification. I want to just know that I'm beautiful because I'm made in the image of God. Yeah. And the That's beauty it. is not society standards like they don't get to set the standards for that. Like God does. Amen. Yeah, that's um that's really interesting because where um maybe those notifications for you would say you're beautiful. Like I think those notifications for me might say um you're smart or you're funny or you're interesting. Mm-hmm. And it it has been a real battle to be like, okay, I don't care. Especially like with this podcast. Like, okay, I don't care about the numbers. I'm not gonna look at the numbers. I'm not gonna check it today. I'm not gonna like it is a literal dopamine release every time you get a notification on your phone. I have my notifications. Yeah. I don't get push notifications for anything. Text messages because I can't figure out how to turn them off. But I don't get push notifications for Facebook or Messenger or like if you message me on Messenger, like you're never getting a reply because I check it like once every two weeks. But smart. <laughs> but I don't get push notifications for Instagram. I don't get I because right because I was so beholden to to that dopamine release and, and checking it constantly, constantly. I can remember being in nursing school and literally just like over and over and over checking my phone while I was in class. And I finally got to the point where I was like, oh, this is overwhelming and it makes me feel icky. And it makes me feel icky if it's not coming in and it makes me feel like I need to do something better next time if it is coming. And like, I don't need that in my life. And so, but even still, like if I open Instagram, I can see all the hearts, right? So like, I have to be like, okay, I'm not opening Instagram right now. Like, it's a constant battle. Like, social media is a constant battle to not find your worth in what other people are saying about you or if they like your picture or if how many views you got on that, on that story or, right? Like, and it's this, it's been an interesting because I haven't cared about, I have worked hard not to care about that. And honestly, my post decreased significantly because I was like, I'm just not going to post because I don't, I don't want to have to have this battle. Yeah. It's like, why are we putting, you know, the way we're going to view ourselves or, you know, any of that in somebody else's hands? Yeah. Like, Yeah. And so it's been interesting for me because um, trying to get this podcast out there has been, okay, we need to post consistently and we do need to. Um, use the right hashtags to make sure that it's getting seen and it, we do need to have um, like hit certain numbers to make sure that we're able to kind of finagle it out there little by little and it's not like the most important thing to me that like we're, we're not trying to blow up right like we're just trying to um, like have a little podcast where we can maybe tell a couple people what we think about Jesus but but trying to get it out there is a, it is a little bit of a numbers game and so it's been interesting to me to like um kind of dabble back into like posting regularly and um and like caring but not caring right like caring <laughs> caring because i want to put my most uh, effort into honoring god with this podcast but not caring 
by, but not, but not being, but this not being the thing that my work is put into or this not being the thing that like gratifies and satisfies me when other things in my life aren't gratifying and satisfying me. It's been, it's been interesting because I had stopped posting almost for a year. I would post maybe once every two weeks and, and that was in stories. I wasn't even really posting on actual feed. So it's been, it's been an interesting little experiment of like, okay, God, <laughs> keep my heart in check, you know? And I don't think oh, that I'm necessarily good. succeeding at it, if we're being honest. <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> Sorry, I just replied to a text. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I remember what I was just doing. Out. I wasn't going to call you out on it. It was a text that I felt like if I didn't reply to, it would seem rude, so. <laughs> okay, this is the irony of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Social pressures, man. I see. This this podcast isn't a priority to you. No, it, it is a priority. It is. It is. I'm kidding. I do feel like I'm pretty good about like one on ones, like yeah, not being on my phone. I think you are. Um, because I'm just like to me that's freaking rude, and I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of like being on my phone. Like I'd rather just be with that person. Yeah. So same thing. That's why we get along so well. Yes. Because it's why we have a real relationship, because we were both pretty committed to not being on our phones all the time we were together. So real. <laughs> no, yeah. All right. Regrets, man. Mm. Regrets. No regrets. Regrets. So, I first want to ask, do you think that it's, like, biblical or... Sometimes I don't love the word biblical for things like this, because, like, it doesn't say in the Bible, thou shalt have regrets. Um, but do you think that it's like a, do you think it's a concept that is conducive with the gospel or with the gospel worldview to have regrets? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think regrets are kind of like, I think that they are what keep us in check. If we didn't regret it, we would just keep doing cruddy things. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I think we see all throughout scripture, people messing up and being like, oh, what? the heck did I just do you know Peter immediately after he denies Christ he's like oh freak like Mm -hmm. Jesus said I would do this like I think he was remorseful I think yeah and what I mean and that is what a beautiful picture right because you do see he immediately regrets it and then has such an understanding of the gospel, has such an understanding of who Christ is, that he's on the boat, he sees the resurrected Christ, and he's like, I'm not waiting, I am getting in the water, I, like, we're not rowing in, guys, I'm swimming, it'll be faster, which how fast the swimmer was Peter, that that was faster, but he's like, I'm swimming, I'm getting to the shore, I'm going to his feet, and like, because he knew, like, Peter understood restoration, Peter understood what it was, because he had this regret, real repentance in his heart, but this this underlying regret of having having denied denied the Lord, right? And he his response to that, I think a lot of our response to, oh no, I've sinned, is to run in the opposite direction and cut God out of that portion of our lives. Peter had such an understanding. Yeah, he's a bumbling fool in a lot of places in ways that I so relate to but here you see like oh he gets it he gets the gospel because he's not running from Jesus he sees them and he runs to Jesus he's at his feet on the shore and what does Jesus do Jesus redeems it right and the for the three times that Peter denied him the three times Jesus says Peter do you love me then feed my sheep 
right? He's saying, pastor, my people, you still have a place in my church just because you did this thing that was awful. And it was a betrayal to Christ to have one of his closest friends do that to him. He's saying, you still have a place in my church. You still have a place among my people. Like I see your repentance here. And so, man, I think that was a really good illustration, Annie Boo. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes I, sometimes I have them up my sleeve. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think there is no condemnation for those in Christ. And I think if you're feeling condemnation, that's something different. And that is something that you have to wrestle with in your heart because that's not from the Lord. Um, so if you're thinking about something that you did in your past and you're feeling condemned or, um, you know, real heavy shame around it, that you can just lay that at the feet of the cross, right? Amen. But I think that that doesn't mean that that gets rid of the things that you regret having done maybe before you knew Christ or maybe even the harder stuff is after you knew Christ. Especially those things like, I know that there are things in my past that I just haven't, there hasn't been an opportunity for me to make amends for. Like the things that, there are some ways that I behave that I regret that like I didn't have further relationships with those people so I didn't have the opportunity to be like hey now I know Jesus and I'm not that way anymore I'm really sorry that I behaved that way yeah same (laughs) and so like for me almost all of my regrets center around my words like I have spent a significant portion of my life being really careless with my words and just bulldozing over people unintentionally and a lot of times for the benefit of feeling funny I would just not care about people's feelings and and not realize that I was doing it, not realize that I wasn't caring about the feelings, but probably to the extent that people that I went to high school with would have called me a bully. Like, I didn't know it, but that's not an excuse. So that, I mean, I'm sure that there are people who look back on their high school experience and I might be a pain point for them because of relentlessly teasing them in what I thought was a way that was funny and we were all enjoying but looking back I can see like that was probably really not that fun for that person mm. and um that sucks and then I also you know even after knowing Jesus and this is maybe um the harder one because I think a lot of people were a-holes in high school um and I am definitely the chief among sinners in that but even more recently my last pregnancy with my youngest and I mean all of my pregnancies, but really, uh, my last pregnancy, my youngest was, I just complained the whole pregnancy about like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like I can remember people asking me how I was doing, me being like, oh, you know, pregnant. And, um, and, um, I was excited to have her. Like it wasn't that I wasn't excited to have her, but I didn't feel particularly good. But then I kind of learned, you know, through like relationships with different pe- people who are different than me and stuff that a lot, and nobody has like been like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Like nobody has said that to me. Probably someone should have, and that would have been nice. But 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 that a lot of the people that I was saying these things to had infertility struggles that I didn't know about, um, where they tried for ten years for their baby. Um, and I'm sitting here complaining about this baby that I did not plan and I was just blessed with. And then I have beautiful these beautiful women at our church who would like go to the women's retreat with IVs because they got so sick every time they got pregnant with their babies that they couldn't keep food down and they couldn't nourish themselves and their pregnancies were very difficult. And I, by all means, have pretty easy pregnancies. I mean, I'm, I am uncomfortable and sick in my first trimester, but not anything to the extent of like needing, you know, 
medical care for that. And then in my third trimester, I am as big as a house and uncomfortable and can't breathe. But that's everyone. That's that's an easy pregnancy. And I've always had pretty easy pregnancies. I just complained and was ungracious and ungrateful and didn't have a good. And that was, I mean, I was younger and um, I just didn't have a good grasp on what people struggled with to get the babies that they so desperately wanted. And I had this baby that I wanted. I wasn't a planned baby, but I wanted her. And I was just complaining about being pregnant nonstop. I mean, like, at every turn. And I really regret that. Like, it couldn't have been fun to listen to for these people who tried so hard for so long for their kids, who prayed and were heartbroken and had invested money and, you know, pain and in into into being able to get pregnant. Um, It couldn't have been that much fun for them to, like, be like, Ugh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know? I just, that, that is something that maybe doesn't seem like a big regret, but like that is something that I think about somewhat regularly that I feel I wish I had done that better, you know? I don't really remember you complaining that much, but it's not it's like. Because you was... have a lot of grace for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. And also just, I found it understandable considering fact it was like, your third pregnancy and did you have three and three? I did. <laughs> I yeah, I mean my circumstances weren't super easy, but I just should have been more grateful. I just should have been more grateful. And that is honestly a like sweet theme in my life of like, man, I just should have been more grateful. Like why I wish I could have seen uh, how ungrateful I was being or how kind of self-focused I was being and I think pregnancy not no this is not universally true there are lots of wonderful pregnant women (laughs) but I do know me and a couple other women sometimes struggle with pregnancy making us a little bit more self-focused because we are so uncomfortable or we are so whatever tired Um, and it is hard to be tired in, in your first trimester and chasing little kids around and trying to like be a good mom and also like grow a human and and an organ. That's always the thing. I'm like, you are also growing an organ. I go, I I've grown three placentas in my life, and that's a big deal. I don't. Have, my husband's not grown an organ since he was in utero. So I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Preach, girl. But yeah, and so I think that those are things that right. I try not to hold a lot of shame around. I try not to hold mm. condemnation around. Like I am praying for. I am praying that my heart um, stays in a place of repentance, that I continue to learn to be grateful for my kids and grateful for um, the fact that it's not a, it, it's not been a struggle in the past for me to get pregnant, um, which is maybe a little bit of an understatement. Um, and, and that, and that I, that I'm, I'm, I'm praying that my heart just stays repentant over that kind of crappy attitude because it sucks for people. It sucks for people who, and I don't know everyone's story, right? Like, I don't know everybody who I'm complaining to's story. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know how badly they want a kid and that they've never gotten one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your regrets. Enough about me. I like listening to you, so no worries. So when I was first thinking about this, I was mostly just thinking about, like, I have a lot of financial regrets, you know, some credit card debt. uh, And... The things that I regret about that is just the fact that I 
am not like a humble person. I, I feel like I struggle with it sometimes. And just kind of regretting, you know, wanting to be so independent and do everything myself, you know, mm. just, I, I was that girl that, you know, got a job when I was 16 and have held a job since then pretty much, except for like the last few months of my life, you know, when just had a bad season. And so I just wish, you know, instead of like using credit cards, I would have just like, like, I really regret not humbling myself and just being like, mm -hmm. hey, can you help me? And, you know, but I was not quite, like, in a church yet. And so I didn't really have necessarily anyone I could ask, but, like, I could have asked my mom. So, anyways, I just, that's a, regr a regret of mine. And then also, uh, like, I was mean to people. Uh, and, like, it's not something that I, you know, feel guilty about all the time, but, like, looking back, there are several instances I can think of where I was just really mean to people. I mean, I was homeschooled, but I went to a co-op with my sister, and sometimes my friends and I, like, when the Twilight books were big, like, my sister was super into them, and, like, my, I remember, and I don't want to blame this on my friends, like, I'm not trying to, but I just remember us, like, making fun of my sister and her friend that were super into it, just, like, being so mm. mean. Uh, this guy one time who went to this co-op with us, like, he said something really mean about me, and I found out about it, and I just did something really mean back to him, and I just, like, I don't know, it's just things that I look back on, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have just been nicer, and not so, yeah, I definitely have regrets of, like, things that I've said, too, for sure, and... Yeah, like, I remember this one time, like, I was just messing around with my mom, and I think she was, like, teaching my siblings or something, like, it was, like, on a homeschool day, and I'm like, bye, guys, hate you all, like, it's just, like, why would I even say that? Like, even joking around, like, why would you joke about something like that? So, I definitely have regrets as far as, like, my words and stuff. I definitely have regrets, um, as far as, like, how I've treated people in relationships, um, and just not really caring about other people's hearts. Why do you think it's harder for us to handle or, like, you know, like, the pain is a little more intense when we think about those regrets after we started following Jesus than before? Uh, I think it's the conviction of, like, the Holy Spirit and him being, I mean, that's what I think it is, right? I mean, we didn't have Jesus then and we have Jesus now and it's that, like, conviction of, I don't know, living in Christ and having that realization of oh like that's so nice like that's not loving that's not what jesus would do mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you it's just yeah i think you're right and that that idea of like oh wow i did not i wasn't um imaging christ's name well in that situation even though i was proclaiming it um even though i'm you know trying to um, proclaim Christ in the things that I do. Um, that was not an example where I was showing him in me. I wasn't being the light in that situation. That's what me and my five-year-old say. I say, how are you going to be the light in this situation? And Aww. make her think of ways to be light in complicated situations. And um, sometimes I forget to ask myself, how am I going to be the light in this situation? Probably not by using my words poorly or having an ungrateful heart, right? 
It's a lot easier to help my kids through that than preach it to my heart. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, and I know there's people that, you know, I have unbelieving friends or whatever, and I know that, you know, they would say, you know, that they, I'm sure that they would say that they have regrets too, or, you know, whatever. So I think it's interesting that you brought up that, like, dynamic of, like, you know, how does it make it different now that you have Christ? Because the unbeliever would say, you know, like, you know, they still have morals or mm. uh, what's the way that you would word that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to me to think, like, what is that, like, common grace or something? Yeah. Like, when people, you know, the fact that they have that awareness of, mm-hmm. like... That's Romans 1. That's the knowledge of God within you, the knowledge of the law within you, right? Like, mm-hmm. that we... um we, um, believers and unbelievers like all have the knowledge of God within us. And so that common grace is that, that an atheist or a believer of another faith would have any recognition of any morality at all because all morality comes from God. And so that idea of why is murdering a person bad? You know, if it's what I wanted to do, if, if, if what society deems is Right is what is that so one of the biggest arguments that atheists have is that morality comes from whatever society decides is right, and we would say, okay, so is cannibalism okay if that society deems that it's right and and then a consistent atheist would say yes, and an inconsistent atheist, which I think a lot of i I've come across more inconsistent atheists than consistent ones because um the Holocaust was legal, <laughs> you know. They voted Hitler in. He didn't, you know, he didn't worm his way in. He, they vo- he was voted to his position. Um, and so would you say that the Holocaust was moral? No. No one, no one would say it, but a consistent atheist with that position would have to say that it was moral. And so it is this, um, idea of morality gets really complicated for, um, well, and this is, I mean, Atheists would not say that it's complicated. I would say it's complicated, but that is a presuppositional that comes with my presuppositions, right? My presuppositions are that God is the God of the universe and the Bible is true. And so I, I'm willing to acknowledge that those are my presuppositions. I just think that that's the most logical way to look at the world. I think that's the most reasonable way to look at the world. But yeah, it, I mean, that stuff gets interesting and they're fun. They're really fun conversations and debates about it. Okay. Fun is a nerdy term for that. I think it's fun to listen to because I love to be educated about that kind of stuff. I love to hear what the opposing side's position is on that stuff. And I love to hear people who are great debaters, great thinkers, um, have those conversations. And I've seen some really interesting perspective. But yeah, I think that this is a thing. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm the one who started it. You're not. I totally I just. just you talked about morality, and then I'm like, here we are. Yeah, I think that it is interesting. Like we would say that it is common grace that a non-believer can even see. Yeah. That there is immorality. It's common grace that a non-believer enjoys love and sex and good food. Right. That's common grace. Also, we would say that's a common grace from God. You don't have to be a believer to have a good marriage, right? You don't have to be a believer to 
enjoy a great steak. You're not going to be able to enjoy it to its fullest effect, where it then rolls up into a worship of a good God who didn't have to give you these good things, but did because that's his character. But an unbeliever can still enjoy them. And so I think it's interesting to think about that uh, perspective or dynamic between um, the way believers walk through the world and unbelievers walk through the world. And I think that it's hard to understand if you don't know any, right? And I think that it gets really easy to live in a Christian bubble. And I was really blessed that um, I didn't come, like all, all of my all of my friends before the church that we go to now were unbelievers, except for one. <laughs> and all of my family are unbelievers. And I still am in contact with almost all of those people. And so it's it's interesting to listen to their perspectives on where morality comes from or where where order comes from. Like, why do you believe that tomorrow you can wake up and step out of your bed and you won't float away? Or, you know, like those kinds of questions. Like, okay, because gravity. Okay, but why is gravity going to be the same tomorrow as it was yesterday? Like, where does that order come from? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, that. I have something I wanted to say, but that is... Oh, sorry. Then no, 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 it, it's totally not you. I just wish I could think of it because I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Do you remember what it was It was about this topic of morality. Oh, the idea that, you know, why does a good God let bad things happen? I mean, this is literally opening another can of worms here. I shouldn't have, maybe we should just save that for another podcast. But... It's sort of interesting to me that people like don't want to acknowledge God or give unless no, they're let, mad at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like so you're acknowledging a God because you want to blame him for the bad stuff that happens. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just that's very interesting to me. Well, and it's a real question and I think that the more important question to ask back is hey, usually people who ask that question have real hurt in their lives. What's going on in your life? You know? What has happened to you to make you feel like God doesn't care about you or like God has allowed really bad things to happen to you or, or the people around you? Like, tell me about it. Tell me about what's going on that, that has made you feel this way about God. Because there are, I think, good theological answers to that question. Very high view, 10,000 foot perspective that don't answer all of it. This is a question that's been asked by philosophers since the beginning of time. Um, it's not a question that's particularly answerable. But I think that there are good perspectives on it. There are good ways to go about answering it. But none of that matters. What matters is the person asking the question. You know, hey, man, I hear. I hear the hurt. So can you tell me where it's coming from? What happened to you? What happened to the people in your life that made you feel like God just stopped caring or God isn't there? But I will just tell you, atheists don't rail against Buddha or Krishna. Atheists don't rail against the Dalai Lama. They... They rail against Jesus and the God of the Bible. Why is that? Probably, probably because that's the God that exists, right? You don't ever hear angry atheists talking about how awful the, how awful Krishna is or the other billion deities in Hinduism, right? You don't. Mm They rail against the God of the Bible. They hate the God of the Bible. And it's because you either are in relationship with God or you are opposed to him. You're either in relationship with him or you hate him. And so if you find yourself hating him and railing him, railing against him and, and maybe even being a, an atheist who proselytizes for atheism, just check why, why is it the God of the Bible that you hate so much? 
Is it is it because you have knowledge of him in your heart? A hundred percent. I mean, the God of the Bible would say the answer to that is yes. I think, I mean, those are interesting questions. I love apologetics. Apologetics was actually what kind of got me into theology. I had my first ever friends in Arizona were Jehovah's Witnesses that came to my door. It was like a 72-year-old guy, and he had an eye patch. And he knew his Bible very well. So the Jehovah's Witnesses have a different translation, the New World translation, that they have altered heavily. Um, so things like, um, the word became, or the word became flesh and, uh, you know what I'm saying, John 1-1. Um, they changed God to a God. Um, and they changed worship to obeisance, which I'm like, oh, what's the difference? But, <laughs> but so he came to the door and I, and because they're so skilled and trained in this and because like non-denominational evangelicals don't train people for apologetics at all. They don't train people to have a defense of their, uh, right, uh, sorry, apologetics. It comes from the Greek word apologia or apologia which just means a defense of your faith, which comes from 1 Peter 3.15, which is always be ready with a defense of your faith. That's not 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15 is about, um, maybe it is. That. I'm just going to look it up because that sounds like the responsible thing to do. But in your hearts of your Christ as Lord, always be prepared. It is 1 Peter 3.15. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of you too, girl. <laughs> so apologia comes from uh, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revered Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do not, but, but do this with gentleness and respect. And, um, we don't prepare our people for that in American evangelicalism, right? I think um, that's right. <laughs> we don't, um, prepare people to give a defense of their faith because we don't even read our Bibles. We don't even know our Bibles. Um, and so, this guy came to my door and it was during the dark years, as Cody and I refer to them, where we weren't going to church and we weren't doing very well. And um, I think it was maybe right after Lucy was born. And he said, oh, I just want to tell you a little bit about this. And he gave me a Watchtower magazine. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus <laughs> because that's who I am. And we talked a little bit and I didn't have an answer for everything he's saying. I knew, I knew what Jehovah's Witnesses believed. And so I knew even though he wasn't full out saying everything they believed, I knew where he was going with it, but I just didn't have a, a, a scripture answer for everything. So that sent me into a spiral of just like looking up everything I could on the Trinity because the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity. Yeah, and, right. and so I just like dug it and the Trinity is really hard. <laughs> so, um, wrapping my head around it, being able to explain it. And he still comes to my house. Well, actually now it's his daughter. So, he and his wife got switched to a different, um, like neighborhood, but his daughter, he like had his daughter assigned to my house. Um, and I, I don't catch him as much because I'm not home 24 seven with nothing to do anymore. But, um, when I do catch him, like we still talk and they still give me their like verse for the week. They're actually probably going to be out around here soon talking about their, um, they have like an Easter service, but it's not Easter. I don't remember what they call it. Um, and that's when they let, they invite everyone to the kingdom hall and it's a big push for, um, what they believe. I have, but I still have a relationship with these Jehovah's Witnesses and we've just spent the last four years trying to convert each other. <laughs> how do I get talking about Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, because I love apologetics. That's how I fell in love with apologetics, which, yeah. which then realized like I, I couldn't really articulate the, the Trinity. And if I, I 
I really believe that if you can't articulate something, you don't understand it well enough. If you can't, like, paraphrase, if you can't say it out loud in your own words, then you don't understand it well enough. And so I just went into this crazy frenzy of trying to figure out how I could articulate and, and use the Bible to not just describe, but to convey what the Trinity was and how it was a biblical principle. And man, it was so fun for me. <laughs> it was so fun for me to get to do it. And I was like, oh, I love this. And then it was just off to the races from there. Well, that's not about foreign culture or regrets, but you're welcome for that little anecdote. I love it. I love that we got onto that topic. <laughs> All right, let's do some recos. Yes, I love. Yeah, I love what we. I love that we went on that tangent because uh, it made me think of a reco. Good. So. Uh, you all, if you listen to, I think probably our first podcast or one of our first, Kelly recommended that you follow Jackie, Her- Jackie Hill Perry ooh, ooh. on Instagram. Oh, I know what your recommendation is. Yes. Um, so her husband, Preston Perry, has a YouTube channel called Bold TV and he just films these conversations of him and other people on the streets and he's super big into apologetics and He'll talk with, you know, atheists or agnostics or Mormons or Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses. And he's really kind and really gracious. And he just goes into it. And um, he really talks a lot about, or I feel like a lot of, or at least with atheists, you know, what comes up is that topic of morality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, him just questioning on them on like where they get their morality and really just getting them to think. And it's really, really good. It's yeah, I wish I had had that resource when I started out in all of this. I had to go to like old church lectures on YouTube and like go deep into the YouTube archives. But he, I've been watching his channel for a while now and he's so great. And that was the thing that I had heard pretty early on was like, this can't be an argument. Like this needs to be a conversation out of love and compassion. Like this isn't a, I know more than you do or I want to win this fight. Um, this has to be a, I love you and I want what's right with you and I kind of believe you're part of a cult. Um, And so, like, let's have a conversation about that. And so, um, and that's how I developed a friendship with these people because I was willing to listen to their points and I was willing to graciously and respectfully reply and not um, do what maybe is more in my nature, which is prove that I'm right and kind of be a butthead in that that vein, you know. Um, Good reco. Go go follow Bull TV, Preston Perry. He's he's the bomb. I love those people. Yes, he is. I'm going to recommend, um, if you have, if you are an atheist, you have atheist friends, or you just want to know if you're a Christian who doesn't have a good gri- grip on maybe being able to explain or articulate the core tenets of our faith, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, it just doesn't get any better. It's free audio on YouTube. Um, but you can also buy the book literally anywhere. And it is, I mean, it's just good. It doesn't get any better. It is, um, he is witty and funny. And I don't, if you guys don't know, C.S. Lewis was an atheist and he's, a, and he's very intellectual. He was a college professor at, um, Oxford and then Cambridge. And he, um, was really good friends with J.R.R. Tolkien. And he was uh, antagonistic against God and the idea of faith. He didn't think that it was helpful until um, one day he was having a conversation with J.R.R. Tolkien and it kind of clicked for him. And then he had this understanding of 
how of why God kind of made sense. And it was just really, his conversion was beautiful, but then everything that poured out of him afterward was just like these beautiful creations of, of reflecting the father all over and over and over again. And it just, all of his work, screw tape letters, the Narnia books, all of his work is phenomenal. But mere Christianity is such a good fundamental just to get a good grasp on how to explain the faith. Or if you're, if you don't have an understanding of what the faith is, or maybe if you're an atheist and antagonistic to the faith, maybe you can listen to it so you can get some sweet points against us. If you can really just conjure up some stuff, if you can conjure up points against C.S. Lewis, then you're going to beat me in a conversation for sure. <laughs> but oh, I haven't read that book in a while, so you've made me want to read it. Oh, my gosh. I read it probably once a year. I don't read it once a year, but I listen to it probably once a year because I don't read hardly anything other than the Bible because I don't have time in my life. Uh, <clears throat> and I fall asleep anytime I try and read. <laughs> but sad. I know, right? I, I'm. You know what? It's a season. I'm going to get to the point. I love to read. I'm going to get to the point in my life where I can read again. But um, yeah. So, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis is my recommendation, and I highly recommend it. Like honestly, regardless of where you're at, I think this book has something for you. <laughs> I love that. I love that you just did a thumbs up. Yeah, on our podcast, we're thumbs upping you all. Just so you know. <laughs> Hey, we are so glad. If you are listening to this, we just want to thank you. We yeah, think you all are awesome. We we have just got the, the just the sweetest feedback from friends, but mm. also we've had people, you know, comment on our stuff that we don't even know yes. saying like, "Hey, great job. I enjoyed that." Uh, you all, we really appreciate that and we want you to know that we appreciate that and just thank you. Mm-hmm. And we would love it if, you know, if this is your first time hearing us, um, like, subscribe, share us on your social media. Yeah, put us in your Instagram stories. That's one of my favorite things is seeing all the people screenshotting, listening to us in their Instagram stories. People have been doing that, and it's been so fun to see, and we share pretty much everyone that we get. It's been so awesome, and I am so thankful for all the people who have been doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, But also, just a reminder, if you could, because I've seen some people you know, post pics, and we are so, so grateful, but even just tagging us oh, goes yeah. a long way, because I've seen some people post us without tagging, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. But if you could just tag us really quick so other people can know where, you know, you're listening, you know, all that jazz. So mm-hmm. that's a good awesome. point. Also, just keep an eye out. We're going to be doing a giveaway pretty quickly here. It's a collab with a cool little company called Happy Hippie Threads. I don't know if you've heard of them. <laughs> so cute. But we're going to, we're going to do a giveaway. So keep an eye out on our Instagram for another giveaway. It is going to be. U.S. only this time because there's shipping involved. But yeah, keep an eye out because we're really excited to do that. Thanks for listening, you guys. We're really grateful to be able to do this and to just have this outlet to have a conversation and get a little creative. And we're really grateful you guys are along for the ride with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.